Welcome to Women in B2B Marketing, a show where CMOs, VPs of marketing, and all strong women leaders in B2B discuss their top tactics, strategies, and tips for building high-performing teams, leveraging trends, and ultimately rocking their marketing careers. Made by and for women, insightful for all. I'm your host and 15-year B2B marketer, Jane Sarah. Let's dive in. It's Jane Sarah from Women in B2B Marketing Podcast. Hi, Jane. How are you? Hey, Melissa. I'm great. How are you? Hey, look, it's also Karina from Direct with Karina and Taylor. Oh my gosh. Hi, guys. Is that Melissa from Two Pizza Marketing? Melissa Moody, hi. Hi, this is so fun. We are here with three ladies in B2B Marketing who all run some podcasts. So what is it, Jane? What are we doing? (laughs) <laughs> I think today we're going to chat. I mean, we probably should have an episode talk, chatting all about podcasts too. That would probably be episode two. Come back for that one. Yeah, today we're going to talk all about events, pre, during, after hosting and what it's looking like in 2024. I'm excited. Well, and this yeah. is all because we actually all met in real life, go to market 2023 from Pavilion. So that's how this is even happening because it would have to take us all getting together in person to get on a podcast. Absolutely. And quick shout out to the other hosts that are missing. So we're missing Taylor Young right now. We're missing Ashley McGovern, my co-host. And also I meant to, but we're going to have them on another show. I meant to also grab Katrina Redden and Ashley Coggill, who were also both yeah. at GTM 2023 in Nashville. So hello to all the wonderful podcasters out there. We will talk podcasting another day, but today is crossover episode, as Jane liked to call it. Yeah. It's going to focus on events. Let's start with a quick recap. Maybe each of us could say one thing we remembered from GTM 23 that really stood out to us. How's that sound? Yeah. So number one, take me back. It was so much fun. It was like this pocket of happiness in a really shitty world right now. So it was just really nice to be there with you ladies. But I think the thing that stood out to me, surprise, surprise, as we all saw all over LinkedIn for like two weeks straight, it seemed like was relationships. It was just so good to see everybody in person, especially you two, but everyone we met there and spend time with people and just connect outside of Zoom and also personally learn that I can still do that. It's been so long because of pandemic and momdom. So just learning that I can be a normal person off of Zoom. So it was great just to build the quality of people that were there was just next level. But I mean, every time you walk down the hall, you bumped into A, people you knew or B, people you want to know and knew from LinkedIn. So it was just like stars everywhere. It's very cool. Yeah, to pull on that thread. I mean, I feel like this is probably out of my 13 years or so being in this space the first conference that really nailed their target audience and getting purely just the right ICP in the room. And that's what was pretty unique for me. Because I think if you go to some of the bigger ones, like, of course, Dreamforce or Saster, you're going to get a mixed bag of people. Maybe it's the right brands, but the people, not necessarily the people that you're constantly in talks with day in and day out. This was the conference where I felt like these are people that I already knew and was very familiar with, because I think the people that went there were really heavily ingrained in the pavilion community and then other online communities for people in our space. So there was a sense of, like you said, Jane, familiarity, but also just kind of weeding out the noise a little bit. It felt like yeah. everybody that I would want to talk to and vice versa was mostly there, or at least very, very well predominantly represented. 
I totally echo that. And I also like how it was broad enough, though. It wasn't so niche. It was broad enough that you still did get roles across the GTM function. So, you know, if you're yeah. just in a room full of salespeople, like, or in a room full of marketers, it can start to be the echo chamber. So I did like how it was a clear audience, but it was also broad enough that it was felt well-rounded. Agreed. To, to add a little more tactically, the other thing I would echo plays into maybe the success that we had with those connections, which is, I think they did a really good job of balancing I don't want to just call it the agenda of the event, but the whole structure of the event, it was like they recognized that that was one of the main reasons we were all there. So yes. the keynotes were fantastic. The speakers were fantastic, but the layout of the event, the way that the demos were there, but not domineering, the events around it, the dinners and the evening things, even the fact that they didn't, I mean, that they kind of encouraged those micro events that you always get with an event, right? Like they made it not yeah. look down upon to have a side thing. It was more, yeah, like that adds to the whole week. And I actually really think that they did a good job of that. Not saying this is our event, you can't do anything else, but really encouraging add-on events. I mean, I know Insight Partners did a huge thing that week. My CMO group did a really cool like end of the event get together that Kathleen from Pavilion also joined because she's part of it. So it wasn't this the main cool. event and a bunch of other stuff, they actually leaned into that connection and community. Yeah. That surprised me too, because I see them as kind of competitors, right? These just different communities that you can join because you can't join and pay for all of them and actively participate in all of them. But it's like all of the communities in the GTM space got together and loved each other. It was really cool to see. Yeah. Well, I think this is a good lesson for like experimentation because this was their inaugural event. So the first time that they had really done this, not that they hadn't done their own events and chapters and things like that. <laughs> this was the first time that, sorry, my dog popped in as she's been doing lately. The... <laughs> <laughs> she just wants in on the ladies chat. I love it. I know always. <laughs> this was the first time they'd ever done it. So I feel like they kind of were like, yes. let's, let's figure out what works. Let's figure out what resonates. And I think that that's just, I mean, for as big of a brand as both those two that you mentioned, our pavilion and insight partners, it was nice to see them kind of just go for it and test and see what lands with the audience. Yeah. Well, to that point, they're going to have to do it again. I think they already scheduled the next one, but what yes. would we say they could improve on? Cause I think all of us agree it was a fantastic event, but yeah. We always love to improve. So what would we say they could improve on? I'm going to think about this. If one of you already has something in mind, jump yeah. in. I have a couple. And this is just after thinking about and coming down from the high. Because like you said, it was such a great event. Like the best I've been to. I would say one that I noticed, which is so small, food, having a couple of vegetarian and vegan friends there that the, the options weren't that great for them. They had to kind of track somebody down to get food sometimes because it would run out or there weren't any on the table. So tiny little detail to get next time. And then second, this happens at every show, right? Like some of the sessions I went to, we talked about this. I'm, I'm a conference nerd. I went to like as many sessions as I could get in. And a couple of them were obviously thrown together at the last minute. Most of them were really, really, really great, but there's always a couple that are going to be, maybe it was a replacement session because somebody dropped out or couldn't make it. Or maybe it just wasn't a fit for me, right? Just not my style. So that's always going to happen. I mean, I don't even know how they can avoid that in the future, but slight little tweak there. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I would say that it's, I think that they did a great job kind of setting out, like you guys were mentioning, nothing was very too much in your face. So they had demo centers during lunch. So people could opt in to go and sit in yeah. a room and watch a demo. 
And like you said too, Melissa, the layout was fabulous. Everything was really close by. So if I didn't really feel like, okay, I signed up for the session in advance, but now I'm feeling I want to stay in this session a bit more. I could do that. It was very easy, very walkable. And the time was managed really well. To your point though, Jane, I did feel like there were some really inspirational keynotes. Like I think we're all yeah. still buzzing from winning by design. I think everything they did yes. was pretty like it was very inspirational, very high level, but we, I also felt like we did a really good job of getting into the weeds. Like we walked away from each session with frameworks. Whereas to your point, yeah. Jane, there were some other sessions that I felt were, which every conference and speaking event is guilty of just nebulous thought leadership, things we've seen a thousand times. And I do think yeah. for, for having such a small focused audience, I think that that could probably be buttoned up a bit more. And I think that that probably means that the events team could do some reviews of the sessions, maybe even some practice runs with the speakers oh, yeah. to kind of suss out like, okay, is this a largely a pitch? Because I think we definitely got some of that. Yes, for sure. <laughs> is this largely <laughs> just like a LinkedIn post that we've stretched to 30 minutes? Because I think we got some of that. Or is this like an instructional kind of workshop style, which I think, again, shout out to Winnie by Design, every session, yeah. whether it was a keynote or a breakout, it felt like a session, either like an entry into a workshop session or full-on workshop yeah. session. And I think that was like the feedback across the board was props to that team for really kind of nailing it. Yeah. It's so yeah. hard because I love that we can be constructive and maybe picky about it. I was thinking about mine and it it does feel a little picky, but I think, again, this is just to help the events continue to improve. And it's for all of us listening to think about how we improve our events too. Love your idea about a like basically giving your speakers practice sessions just because sometimes you think you've got the right speaker and then you're like, oh, let's move it a little yeah. further away from a pitch or make it more actionable. The one that comes to mind for me is I think they did a pretty good job when you looked at the agenda of a mix of women and people of color and kind of doing a good job there. However, if you look at just the keynotes, men. all white men still. Oh. And then there was a couple day-to-day -day sessions where they put head-to-head -head every single female leader in one time slot. So you had to pick one of them. Yeah. And then the other that ones was hard for me. Yeah. And it was just a little frustrating because I, and I, re I only came to realize that when I said, wow, I want to see Hillary and Janice and Trinity. And I'm trying to remember some of the other ones. And they were all in the exact same time. Block. And Latin and I was at like, the same time too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. So really That's good funny. at moving toward that direction. But I think there was still a few, like, well, maybe just a little room to grow in that as well. Um, Hootsuite no. CEO. I mean, she was a showstopper from entry yes. to stage to exit. I mean, I would have loved to have her the first day. Like Thank talk you. about yes. like such an inspiration. I mean, particularly for all of us here, but just in general too. I mean, from the choice of color of her outfit, you knew what she her stood suit. for. You knew yeah, what she amazing. stood for. Like she was representing a country. And I mean, it just, I don't know. It was so empowering and yeah, I think to that point too, like the structure of these events, there still seems to be this formula that we have it in B2B kind of like revised in sometimes, which is like two days, maybe more, right? It's content, 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 wrap, fun. So I feel like the structure of the content, like, I, I don't know, guys, don't you think we could do that in like a day? Yeah. Like, and I'd almost rather go in and sit in a room and just be listening because it was, it was hard. You, you know, and I, I know everybody's doing their best, but you go to one and you kind of need to like sneak out because you have a meeting with someone and sneak. I'd rather almost just let's sit down for three quarters of a day and just deliver all the content. And yeah, then that's really interesting. Do we know any events that have done that? Uh, I haven't. And I'm cool. dying for it because it's, we are <laughs> so torn. 
<laughs> we are so torn. We're like, I mean, so it's a, it was the expectation of like, this is the only day we're doing speaking sessions. This is the only day we're doing workshops. I would so appreciate that because then I would know that everybody else has that expectation too. And then we can kind of leave the second day or whether it's the first day or whatever for networking and socializing. Cause I did, I, as I usually do, I feel torn. Do I go to the session that I really want to go to? Or do I have this meeting with this individual that I've never met in person before that would be mean so much yeah. to, to me? So mm. yeah, it's tricky. That's good food I wonder, for thought. From like event planning perspective, like I've always kind of split it up into two days and mixed it for variety and to keep people's attention. But also because if this is just a hunch, it's worth a test, right? But if we put all content on one day, and then all networking on the second day, I feel like so many people would leave and go home after day one, not like just because it's not intermixed and kind of forced on them. If you have a family, you're like, mm, I can't really stay and network for a full day or I have responsibilities, however, wherever else. What if on this, you know, the second day or however we're framing this or the first day or however you structure it, I mean, bringing the networking, but also the workshops, because I think just the more hands-on chatting, doing things together. Maybe that could- You're networking anyways. Content, but you're networking. Yeah. yeah. Like and that, that kind of forces people that aren't as comfortable with doing that to actually get out of their shells. But again, it's in the context of learning and growing and connecting. And sometimes you might have people that are the opposite. Like, I don't need to sit down and listen to more thought leadership. You know, like, <laughs> true. Maybe, maybe they maybe just I would probably come to day two and like actionable workshops and That's networking. That's so true. So you might have like- yeah. Totally. This is probably where we as event curators probably curate or- cater more to the sponsors than the attendees. Cause I think everything you're saying, like both of you is like, how can we make sure that people show up so that they see our brand and they hear our talk? And it's less about like, how are we sure the experience is landing and resonating? So I think oh. there's probably a balance of how are we getting those sponsorships? Cause that's what it takes to run an event. But how are we also making sure that it's so community centric yeah. with the, yeah. the community individual in mind? And they choose what they want, mm -hmm. like whatever you want to attend. That's true. Interesting. Which I think is a great segue into, let's talk about not the event itself, but actually how we as individuals show up to these events. So if we want to create events that are for the individual really resonate for individuals, how do we actually show up to events? What did we see that worked well? Or what, what is our ideal way of, you know, putting boots on the ground at something like this? I was attending GTM 23, just for specifics, for two reasons, like for my own personal growth and networking and just meeting people and getting out there again. And then second for research for work for my current company. So it was both twofold. So I think if you go in with clear descriptives or just what you want to achieve on both sides, and I think if you're going for purely for work, mm -hmm. don't like have a piece of it that's done. I'm not saying don't go, but bring in the personal piece. Cause at every event, even if you're going for work, there's a personal aspect of it too, that you should really think about. Don't just be going there to sell or to market, like also be learning. What can you learn personally? What relationships can you build without there being a, a specific goal tied to that? So I, yeah, I, I went just wanting to, to learn, get inspired and bring relationships and learn a ton that I could bring back to, to work. So I achieved all of those at that show for sure. Where do you think you actually learned the most? Like if you had to reflect on it, where do you think the most learning came from at this event? Yeah. Um, ooh, for me, it's an even split between probably two sessions at DTM and just talking to people and the relationships that were formed or, or expanded there. Cool. Are you going to name or are you going to keep us in suspense? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll have the good ones. 
like, let me pull up my notepad. That is one of my tips that I totally, I, I helps me every time just because my memory sucks since I was little. But as I get older, it's worse and worse, especially after having a kid. Mom brain is real. So I write down everything. So I use OneNote old school style and I take down notes everywhere so I can go back to it later and look up the ideas I had in the middle of a session. Like you want to be inspired and get these like epiphanies, right? Those moments are what I live for. And I write it down and then I can go back and just search for it later. Pen and paper, as much as it, I used to love it. I can't search it and that kills Mm -hmm. me. So I'm, I'm a one note girl. Yeah, Jane was a big proponent, Melissa too, the phones, <laughs> taking out the phones and screenshotting the PowerPoints. But yes. I, people, <laughs> I know, Jane, you were actually like putting that into your your OneNote and then I giving was. like little descriptions off of it too. And I was doing that too. I was just taking jotting down notes and I think that's super helpful. And again, it was just like maybe a relevant data point. I find a lot of these slides are their data points that they share. They're just heavy on pushing a cell or their solution. So it was mostly like really powerful points of view. And those I found were largely in the keynotes. There were some in the breakouts too, for sure. But I think that that's a whole topic we could like go off in itself is like, how do you as a presenter actually do a keynote or a presentation? I've been thinking about it too in my brain today of like a template that I realize that I have when I'm responding to a question on a panel, or even just when I look at a slide and there's a template, just like I have for all my content that I write out about how I need to structure my thoughts so that it's engaging for the audience. And there were like probably more than usual speakers, I would say, that impressed me with how they delivered their speeches. So I think the caliber, Mm -hmm. you could definitely tell who has done this a thousand times and and who who maybe hasn't. And I think overall, like majority of these people have made the rounds. And I think from, you know, what we were talking about earlier with diversity, I think that that's good. But I do think that we can give more opportunity to, to people that would maybe do presentations a little bit differently that haven't gone through the the speaker meal of presentations. Yeah. How else, Karina, to keep on the idea of like how you personally showed up. So I love that yeah. point of actually I I'm just taking notes based off of what you were saying. So <laughs> I love this idea of really understanding how and first appreciating which speakers really deliver on a POV, like a really pers- like powerful point of view, but then like thinking for ourselves of what is that for each of us? Because when we get the chance to be on stage or maybe just as a good activity, like I just jotted that down, like basically what is your own POV on you know whatever topic, but just coming at it from that personal speaker storyteller lens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. For me, I'm pretty conscious and I try to be, I'm not perfect, but I always try to think about how am I responding to that question? So I shouldn't be following that up with, yeah, that's a really great question, Melissa. That immediately for me takes the listener out of it. It's kind of unnecessary fluff. So just like in content writing, when we're doing edits of our own content, there's all these filler words and fluff. And I think that we don't edit ourselves verbally out loud enough. And I think that it was very clear to me that these people have spent time refining their talk track and how they speak. And it's very clear. And to me, there was this framework that I like to follow, which is strong point of view at the top, Mm -hmm. sit like let people absorb it because it takes time, especially if you've had something really powerful, meaningful, unique to say, just let it sit. And then Mm -hmm. the next bullet points, if you will, should be supporting and telling the story, the going down, like, why did you arrive at that POV? How is it showing up today? What would you recommend? And then there should be a very clear, distinct, like close to that point of view too. So I feel like I don't see that enough and, or very often. And so it was very refreshing to have been so engaged. And I feel like because there was this formula that these people have rehearsed, practiced, and refined. 
the conscious approach to the storytelling reminds me of an experience I had at the event, which I also recognized as being a very conscious and very exciting and respectable and inspirational way of going about it. So this kind of ties back to like how we individually show up to events. I had made plans to connect for the first time in person with Alina Vandenberg from Chili Piper, who in our world is like a celebrity, right? Alina is, everybody loves her. She's built and founded her company. She's just outstanding. I was absolutely fangirling, like, oh, I get to meet Alina. When she showed up, she looks at me and she says, I know. And she said, not in a weird egotistical way. She was like, I know that if we stand out here and chat, people are going to come and talk to me and like try to kind of interrupt and be a part of the conversation. So let's go sit down. Like she took me to kind of a corner table and we sat so that she could look me in the eye, hear what I was saying, have a conversation with me. And I was blown away by that very, very simple gesture, but it just showed such a consciousness for being the person you want to be, whether it's on stage with that POV that Karina kind of just brought up or in those individual conversations at events, be intentional and be present. I mean, it was so simple, but in the midst of a nonstop, oh, hey, oh, hey, oh, hey, feeling at the conference, it absolutely stood out to me. I cannot wait to try that with other people. Mm. I don't have the cachet that (laughs) Alina has, but I loved how she did that. I thought it was really, really neat. It's super powerful, right? You suddenly feel like you're the most important person in the room. I mean, that is just, I mean, not that is beautiful. It's also just an incredibly self-aware tactic to use, to engage, right? And I think you're right. It's the intentionality. And I think to pull on that thread more, I don't know that I would have had as successful of an event experience if I hadn't already been building up my network and making those connections offline before coming to this event. Like I just thought about that now, if I had shown up because I I knew so many people and Mm -hmm. so many people were comfortable with approaching me because they've seen my face and they've seen me talk and like they read my content. And so there's this familiarity there already. Mm -hmm. I don't think if we, if we all thought about it, like other conferences that are a bit larger and it's not as focused, because this was a very, very much, they, they went through each person that registered and they validated or didn't. I don't know that that connection would have felt as strong. I think there was a lot of intentionality on the event curator's part to actually see the network, the connections that already existed, whether or not they were in pavilion or not. Because I think that was the intention is they wanted us to all feel like we were in a community there, Mm -hmm. that everybody, for the most part, knew everybody already. That's true. I wonder how people who didn't already know people, how their experience at this event were, was because when we came back, we were all posting all over LinkedIn. Everybody was posting their experience and it was like all people in our wider circle. Same kind of people, right? Yeah. Yeah, There was a lot of familiar faces on the, the photos consistently. I wonder if everybody was included in those like layers of circles or if anybody felt excluded from that. I would be curious if anybody attended and felt like an outsider. That would be interesting to me. I'm a little baby podcaster. I'm just starting to network on LinkedIn and and get out there. And even I, like there were people around every corner who I wanted to talk to, who I approached to, who I already knew. A few people came up to me and I was like, how do you know who I am? That's amazing. Like, just really humbling and cool. So, I mean, it, it was just maybe hopefully nobody did feel that way, but now it, that makes me as an empath, that makes me wonder, I hope everybody felt included. <laughs> I spoke to quite a few. So I went to the conference by myself and 
if I didn't make plans, if I didn't organically see somebody, I was going to just sit at a table where I knew nobody for breakfast or coffee or whether that be for sitting for a session. And I would say that probably more than you realize actually did go to this conference for like this being their first revenue marketing conference. And I think there are largely people outside of SaaS or tech. So I think our universe is pretty, and I think even in Pavilion too, it's obviously, you know, it's 10,000 members, so it's massive. But I think the majority of people probably are somewhat in a familiar space mm-hmm. and industry. And I think the people that I talked to that were did come alone and they didn't really know anybody, they did talk to me about like, what brought you here? Like, how do you, how do you go through these events? Like, what do you do? How did you meet people? Oh, you know, so-and-so, did you come here with them? So it did seem like for a few people that were maybe in different industries outside of tech or predominantly tech that seemed to be a little curious about <laughs> how well most people did know each other. Mm-hmm. Quick shout out to the listeners too on the our incredible MC for the event, Katie Dorsey. Oh yeah. He had this great phrase right at the beginning. Let me see if I get it right. You always start by saying, what do you do? Right? Like that's the mm. line of the conference. And he said, no, 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 listeners. Everybody needs to be asking, what are you good at? And it it was really actually quite fun because all of us had pretty much been there at that kickoff for his welcome words. And so on multiple occasions, when I was meeting new people that I had no connection to, I did use that phrase and it's actually quite fun. What are I you love good that. at? So what, what, what do you say, Melissa? Yeah. Oh, you know, I think I got it down to, and some people answered more tactically. Some people said, I'm very good at sales and they kind of got more into functional role. Mm. Mine is... I am very good at finding clarity and prioritizing and focusing on something in the middle of chaos. So I'm exceedingly good at walking into a mess and getting people, teams, humans back on track. That is Um, brilliant. Great. What's yours, Karina? What's yours? Karina, what are you good at? Mine, I like want to revise mine, but I'll just be honest. (laughs) When when I, I remember sitting there and coming up with it and I agree too. It's so powerful. It's such a good mind shift to start the conference too, right? I said, I'm really good at building connections, not Mm -hmm. just like with myself, but with other brands and other people. But I do feel like that sounds very much to your point, Melissa. It sounds a little bit more tactical than probably I would like. I don't know. What do you think? I don't think that's too tactical. I think that's wonderful because it can be tactical, but it can also be just broader. Like your EQ is very high. You like to make those connections. Um, Jane, what's yours, Jane? Yeah, you were right by me. Yeah. So I think I was maybe the only person that didn't like that question because I was oh, like, oh, really? shit, put on the spot. Like, yeah, because I think I was with you guys. And so we we wanted to mingle with other people. Right. So the guy next to me asked me the question. I was like, partner marketing. You're right. Like I went straight to tactical. Like I'm really great at partner marketing. I can podcasting is kind of my jam. But like to get deeper, like I, I need time to think about things. I'm not someone who can answer something on the spot. Like I need to think and stew. So a question like that is jarring for me. It's like, oh shit, what do, what do, like, what am I good at? I don't know. Especially because I have imposter syndrome, like crazy. So I'm like, am I good at this? I'm I can tell you what nothing. Melissa's yes. great at. I can tell you what Karina's great at, but I'm That would be a good exercise to too. Like if, if by the yeah. end of it, if he closed it and said, turn to the person next to you or go up to somebody and say, here's what I think you're good at, actually. That would be really yeah. empowering. Oh, I love that. There was a really cool exercise. One of my favorite podcasts is um, Everybody Hates Marketers by Louis Grenier. It's fantastic. There was a great exercise one time and he said, I forget what it was, the outcome was we were supposed to do, but essentially it was send an email to the eight to 10 people you're closest with. And you could do it from a work context, but he was saying in a whole, whole, like whole life context and ask them, what am I good at? 
Like, what do mm-hmm. you think of that I'm good at? And then taking those answers and basically creating your own. It might be fun for you, Jane. Like it might be interesting yeah. to see what bubbles up. Mm-hmm. That's totally up my alley. I've actually, if you've heard of the 360 review, I've kind of tailored that and made it my own from different podcast advice and stuff. But every so often I'll email random people that I used to manage or that I used to report to or friends and family. And I'll ask them questions like you like me as a manager or what could I have done better on this? And I'll ask kind of questions and get that feedback just so I can know. And usually it's after some time so they can think about it and feel removed. But I, I love that stuff. I thrive off of that feedback, good and bad. Mostly good helps, but me too. <laughs> well, we could probably chat all day. We're going to keep going for a little bit. But before we do, one more thing I want to ask about events, specifically if we come back to this, is I think we've talked about a lot of ways we could improve. We are all on this call, in addition to podcasters, we are all small team marketers and A lot of times we don't, you know, we're not waltzing in and putting on a pavilion sized event. We are thinking differently about how events manifest for smaller marketing teams. Let's chat for a little bit about what you ladies are thinking will work for you and your teams going forward. What works well, what is feasible, and maybe even what you're planning to do in 2024. Big question. I mean, Karina definitely has a lot to add here. Um, So I'll keep mine short. I think this event probably inspired this a bit, but I I want to create more events for my company in 2024. It's probably going to start virtual as I kind of test the market and do more virtual, but I would love to have smaller kind of roadshow events in person as well. Eventually we'll see. I think it'll be a buildup, but it's not going to be as grand of a scale. I don't think we can have these killer speakers, but if we could have one or two, And it'll probably be a half day event to start, you know, like start small and then grow up from there. So all about iterations for me. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Well, I think too, so much of what made this event so great was the people that attended, the people that spoke, the people that organized it. So fostering that, I mean, I know we heard that a lot, but fostering that community, I think is just going to continue to be top of mind for me to be truthful with you. I signed up for this event without knowing that Pavilion was largely running it. And I do think that just the way they framed it with the context of it, who they, who they pitched that was going to be there, that was enough for me to, to want to sign up. So I think, I think we can sometimes worry so much about the details and stress about the details even, but the core of it, like the content, the core of it is, is what I think is going to drive people. So if we can be super clear on like, what is the outcome for them? What's in it for them? That I think is going to be like, at least the mind shift set that I want to get into for the new year is what are they going to get out of it from events that I throw, but also events that I help my clients curate. Cause I think that that to me was what made me sign up and spend the money. And then afterwards I was like, Oh, this is pavilion. Okay. Got it. Love figuring out the why behind it. And uh, you're absolutely right. That applies to the huge events and it applies to the small ones. I do think there is, I mean, from my perspective, some of the projects that I'm working on right now are going to lean more into that micro event strategy and doing small, intimate get togethers. But I think to your point, Karina, we have to, even for those little things, they're not just get togethers. There is a why there's a why for the attendees. I also have to shout out. I think one of the other strategies that I will be leaning into, I can't share it now, but I'm working on something kind of small and stealth. So we're not going to be able to spend on things, but showing up in a memorable way at the larger events 
there's something there. I mean, I, I have to give a shout out to what Comsor was doing in the corner of GTM. They had an incredibly attractive booth in the sense that they were filming content right there. And so people stopped to watch, you know, TV type content being recorded live with funny things happening. We were eating hot wings. All three of us on this call, by the way, made it through five increasingly spicy hot wings. But I know they were there paying for a full demo and the, doing the booth, but doing something that catches people's eye will always win. And so that is something that small team marketers can do if they're very thoughtful and creative. And I'm not sure what that looks like for us yet, but you well, know. Melissa, you, you already did it. You actually organized during the conference a yes. group of women for Wednesday Women to just form a massive circle on the conference floor that caught the attention of the host MC who actually then shouted out Wednesday women during, you know, one of our upcoming keynotes. So I think that you have already showcased how small marketing teams or people that are showing up at these conference, even microwaves can have a ripple effect. Just to give like a full story here as well. The only things we planned were a time. It was 515 a location that was recognizable and a drink. We had a custom drink. That was it. And then this circle and the sharing was a moment that came out of it. So yeah, small team marketers that are listening, like you don't even have to overthink it. Just do a little something and see what it can kickstart. So don't yeah. even overthink to, it. Yeah. To add on that too, that, that event, first of all, thank you for creating that times location and drink because it started out what is like 10 of us. And then people just started gathering. because they're like, Oh, other women. And we tend mm -hmm. to gravitate towards mm -hmm. each other, which is awesome. And then after that event though, Melissa, I don't think I even told you this is the next day. So many people came up to me like, Oh, you were in that circle yesterday. What was that circle? So, and I'm not even like, you know, like this is your thing, but people were asking me, but so it got so many other, like it reached so many people, which was really, really cool. Well, now I want to shout out Jane, you, because of how to show up at a conference. She wore a beautiful, bright pink <laughs> blazer. She Pictures will be attached her. in the show notes. Pictures yes. will be attached. <laughs> you couldn't miss her. So Jane, you were probably right. a big draw for that crowd too, because boom, bright oh, pink Oh, there blazer, you go. That's which why. also <laughs> happened to be the conference's brand colors. So everything even seemed on brand. Yes. There we go. I think bright blazers <laughs> might be my thing, but that's my, my Tim Davidson sign or his floral <laughs> shirts, right? I'll do bright blazers. Right. Uh, <laughs> yes. I want to see all the other shades of neon in the blazers. Mm. That's going to be there we go. Amazon ordering. <laughs> so any other, let's the last thing around events is, okay, we've talked about what we're going to do. What about predictions? What are we going to see more of or less of in 2023? I'm going to start because this has been on my brain what mutiny is doing right now with their survivor yes. contest that like it's virtual but it feels like a real thing like a real well thought out well planned moment maybe not an event but a kind of series of events online i think we'll see more of that there was also a lot of credit i will give to mutiny specifically worked with audience plus last year and did like a road show so they did multiple cities similar content but very intimate i think just changing up the format really stands out and i'm excited to yeah. see who's going to bring something even more creative in the year ahead yeah you are shouting out like an incredible brand right there i'm so impressed with what mutiny's pulled off with their survivor challenge and what i love about it is that it's 
we're thinking about the lifehood, the, the longevity and life of an event much longer than the live event. So Mutiny is doing, they did all this internal promotion and buzz, which kind of goes into my thought process, which was heavily used by individuals outside of Mutiny. So people that are in the space are active online. They use them to draw in some additional registrations outside of like their own network and their partner channel. So I feel like we'll be seeing more of that, maybe even more individuals. Like I could see the two of you like running your own events, like Leslie, she's doing her outbound conference soon. Something like that. Right. I, I like just going to support the talent, going to support directly to the person yes. versus the brand. I think that that's going to continue to be a theme, but yeah, I mean, just back to that. I love that we're thinking about the lifehood of these events being much longer. In fact, I'm like really curious to see if there's anything that Pavilion does with this event because the buzz they got in the network, they had a Slack channel that we could all engage with beforehand. And they recently are about to close that down. But what a great idea to then connect with Comsor to then go and actually make it part of like this ongoing network connection that can keep happening. So I think viewing the event much longer than its start date and tying it to in-person events down the line or what have you, I think, I hope will continue to be a trend because it all feels yes. much more intentional that way. It's so interesting because I just, I had an episode recently with Natalie Gula, who's the president of the Black Marketers Association of America. And she was telling me one thing she's over is events. Right. And, but that's because she's sick of like all the work that goes into it. And like, you just have a booth and nothing really pans out. Like she was sick of, she was saying she's sick of how events are typically run and everything that we're mentioning on this call. And what you two just covered is like the disruption of that model, right? Like that, just get a boring booth, pay the 10 grand to get your 10 by 10 and have someone from sales stand there that never went to an event before. (laughs) And, you know, like that doesn't work and scan leads. Like we had badges that booped. That was a big plus from this show. Can we talk about the badges that booped though? Because I was really excited for the badges that booped. (laughs) Hot take. I don't think they lived up to the hype. I don't really know what the booping did. No, they didn't. Yeah. And no one listened to them because the show, as shows tend to do, every session went over a little bit, right? Which made the next session go over. So the colors going on happens like 10 <laughs> minutes before the end of each session. So it was disjointed a bit. Hats and off I thought the there speakers. were going to be colors. Yeah. Totally I was going to say that would have thrown me off. Like yes. if I was, yes. So for everyone just... listening, these badges, <laughs> not only when you boop them, you could like share contact information, but they would blink bright colors. So what the ladies are saying is if you were on stage as a keynote and the entire audience starts blinking and you have flashing at the conversation, <laughs> my so anxiety would have gone through the roof. I would have completely Same. lost focus. Yeah. Mine actually did. My anxiety <laughs> went up like during, cause I was like, am I late for the next session? Right. Right. But I also thought because it cut, co- there was a color, right? So it lit up a certain color. I was looking for that color, like for the door that I was supposed to go to, there should have been a connection. Like the color didn't really mean anything physically. In yeah, maybe it meant like so a there's time warning. That's maybe, a good point. We have no uh, idea what the colors meant. Maybe because I, I think I, you were, yeah. No, I think the colors were for the breakouts. I think you were supposed to find your other like color friends and go like follow oh, the people. Maybe, maybe, maybe. maybe. Right, you had like a big light, like Uber, right? Like you have a color on your phone, and then the Uber here. has the color that matches. That's what I was kind of expecting. Ooh, yeah. Wow. All right. Room for improvement as always. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we are going to be thinking about 
how we have our own POV on stage as speakers. We are going to be thinking yes. about how we find creative ways to break up the traditional model of content and networking mixed together. We are going to be thinking of how we connect with people before events so that we can really touch base on the ground. And we're going to be thinking of uh, getting better blinky boop badges. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Not quite worth the $10 upgrade yet. <laughs> what else did I miss before we wrap up, ladies? Because I've loved this conversation, but we know we're talking to busy, busy marketers. So I would just say highlight, underline, bold, what you said about finding like opportunities to stand out in those big events as a small team. Like your example, Melissa, what you actually did was perfect. Yeah, that's what I would say. But yeah. Yeah. And think about what you want to get out of it, not just for your company, but for yourself. Mm -hmm. Twofold. Yeah. Well, it has been a pleasure, ladies. We need to do this call regularly. We may not always record it for our listeners, but we will do the call regularly. And it was wonderful to have everybody join in today. Thanks, yeah, Thanks, everyone. Crossover, signing out. <laughs> Crossover. <laughs>